Hello, everybody. Welcome to another new episode of the Premier Raleigh Small Business and Special Interest Podcast, where we bring you stories from business owners and special interest groups from around the triangle. Well, welcome, everybody. We got uh, it's another episode of our Raleigh Small Business Podcast, and with me today we have Bryce Connors, and he was with with uh, Blueprint Business Communications. Blueprint Business Communications. Blueprint. Okay, great. Um, I welcome. And I really appreciate you coming in, and I'm excited to hear more about your company and you know how what I'm doing can help you, and maybe we can help each other out in the future. So absolutely, well, I appreciate uh, you having me. Thank you, big absolutely. fan of the podcast. Thank you, I, I really appreciate that. So it's very new to me, and it's been a lot of it's been a quite a fun journey to kind of like really learn more about people and industries and stuff like that too. So uh, so tell me a little bit about your company, like when you started and uh, like where you're located at and what you do. Yeah, well, a little bit about the company. I, I think that we've got to probably provide the backstory and the context to get to the company. Absolutely, yeah. I uh, grew up in Johnston County, just outside Raleigh, uh, very rural upbringing. And, and in fact, I had no idea what entrepreneurship meant when I left, co- when I left high school. Uh, when, okay. I got to, when I got to college, um, a buddy I lived with my, my freshman year at UNC Chapel Hill, had said, hey man, um, have you heard about this entrepreneurship minor? And I was like, I got no idea what entrepreneurship even means, what it is, or that you can study it. And so I go to one of the interest meetings, and they're like, yeah, you're like, you can be your own boss. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool, uh, because I've always uh, been one to kind of question uh, authority, if you will. And so I start taking some of these entrepreneurship classes and learning that entrepreneurship, uh, in my eyes, is not just a business, it's a lifestyle, it's a way of life. And I decided, well, okay, if I'm taking these classes, how can I practice this? How is it applicable to the real world? And being in Chapel Hill, uh, we have a Franklin, an iconic Franklin Street um, that is known probably for more of what happens after uh, the UNC basketball team beats Duke, uh, but less known for all the business and commerce that takes place on the street, uh, which motivated me at around 18 or 19 years old to put on a navy blue blazer and a North Facebook bag and walk up and down Franklin Street going in and out of businesses asking, hey, do you need social media management? Uh, it's like a blistering hot 70 degree day. I'm sweating in this navy yeah. blue blazer that my, my mom bought me before I went to college. And uh, these business owners are like, no, I'm not interested. Please get out. Like you're scaring off the customers. Like get out of my, get out of my oh, business. Wow. Okay. And I'm like, okay. So I, I go 20 times and I'm told no. And I'm like, all of a sudden this great idea that I thought I had in my head I try to practice it in the real world and it's not going how I expected it to, but I persevere. I've got a little voice in my head telling me, all right, go for 21. 21st try, walking to Trolley Stop Hot Dogs and a beach bar, uh, which is on the corner of Rosemary and Franklin uh, in Chapel Hill. And they say, hey, uh, we just parted ways with our agency with, with creative differences. We need, uh, we need help. And so you've got three months. And so I signed a three-month deal worth, I believe, a, a, it was $125 a month, okay. which is pales in comparison to, to where we'd grown to. But that, I'll be quite honest with you, that $125 check that I got when I was 18 or 19, you know, trying to prove we had a concept, felt better than any money that we've made since. Yeah. And I've been chasing that feeling and that high that came from them ultimately believing in us and giving me a shot. To, to prove the concept could work. Yeah, that's really entrepreneur. I mean, so a little background of, of myself, so anybody that's listening also, um, I've been in around entrepreneurship since I was a child, actually. So my, my aunt and uncle had a, a 
tables and chair company and my parents had a tent company and I mean it was all about like you know, you watched it my dad would like we had our business and then we he'd work for realtors and like fix up houses and he would be like over here doing this and some of that and it was just like this hustle all the time and, like that was the life I grew up in like everywhere you looked, there was another way to make a little bit of money another way to make a little bit of money we're gonna help you I make a little bit of money and that's all I knew you know so it was interesting I went and worked for other people for a while but the positive of that was that the companies I worked for was all, everything I did was in a creative aspect. Like logistics is all about how many fires can you keep put out at the same time? How many plates can you keep spinning at the same time? You know, because I would have 50 trucks running around all down the road, but everything is, you know, everything could shut a production line down in a second. They start charging you a couple thousand dollars an hour for shutting the line down. You know, so like everything in my life has been under fire and that's entrepreneurship. That's that's the high of like, can I figure another piece out? Can I figure another piece out? Can I win another battle? Right, and I think that's when you said that, like chasing that high is what keeps you in it. Yeah. Well, 100%, I couldn't agree yeah. more. And I think it's interesting with that background, uh, I did not have that background. My mother, growing up, she was a school teacher and my father was a sports broadcaster on TV. And so both of them, I would say, the teacher especially, is, you know, your typical nine to five, my dad, obviously, when he was a child and said, oh, I want to be a sports broadcaster on people, people called him nuts. And you know, he had to work really hard to get to where he got to in his career. But no one in my family, with the exception of like a great uncle, had really taken the plunge into business for themselves full time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I didn't have that. And so you know, some people, where they grow up in it, others, you, you just kind of you know, dabble into it. And that's kind of what happened here. So, but I think yeah. it's interesting to hear from someone that's been on the other end of that spectrum as well. Yeah, no, it's a it's a weird, crazy world to grow up in, you know. Cause I'm you're sure. just like every you don't know how to stop because everywhere you're like, man, I gotta, I gotta keep going, I gotta keep going, we gotta survive, we gotta make money. You're like, there's all these like little twists and turns you can take, and it's like um, it's like fighting through the forest. Yeah. Right, because I'm I'm sure you've seen the dark dark points of entrepreneurship at yes. this point too, where you're like, I really don't know where I'm going. Oh yeah. I feel like I'm going the right way because something inside of me is saying I'm going the right way, but like I don't know if I'm going the right way. Because it's just, you look ahead and it's dark, and, it, and once you get a certain point of into it, you look back and it's dark. Oh, yeah. Right? You're like, I don't know where I'm going. I mean, I still so, feel that way now, and yeah. we've been in business uh, for four years. There are days, um, you know, it, it, I like to refer to entrepreneurship as a roller coaster because yeah. there are a lot of highs and there are a lot of lows. Yeah. A lot of lows. And it's scary at the beginning, you know, when you're by yourself because you're experiencing those lows that can be quite lonely, I think. Very, uh, very especially when, when other people, you know, within your social circle, friends, family, you know, have, you know, steady nine to five jobs with, with established companies. Uh, I don't think that a lot of times they can understand the perspective you're coming at it from unless you're around fellow entrepreneurs. And I've been grateful um, in Raleigh that we have such, we foster entrepreneurship so well here, I think, in comparison to other cities that it has been easier to, you know, really not feel as alone as I've felt before. Right. No, exactly. And, and that was kind of the one thing I didn't, I kind of got lost in my own puzzle for a while, so I kind of lost touch of other people, right? But now I've found a lot more, you know, the guy that owns Triangle Imports, Matt, incredible guy. Like, I think the three of us should have a chat sometime. I think that'd be a, an amazing podcast to really, like, get three different perspectives from somebody that, like, studied it and see how, you know, like, I didn't even know there was any sort of degree oh, in yeah. entrepreneurship. And him and I talked about that on our podcast. He was like, you can learn this? Yeah. Like, you know, because he was six years old when he got into it. You know, was around it his whole life. You know, so I think that'd be a great cast just to kind of like get the different perspectives of like. Well, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that 
what's interesting from when they teach it, and this is just my opinion, I don't think that there's any other way to learn something than by being hands-on. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, that it's great that we're teaching it in classrooms, but it can only be app applicable if you use the lessons that you're learning and actually go out and make it happen. Because until your back is up against the wall and you have no other choice but to sink or swim, you're really not going to know, well, do I have something here or not? Right. Yeah, and that's what um, I actually said to the landlord when I signed the lease for this place. But I was like, you know, they say when you're going to, if you want to take the island, you got to burn the boats. <laughs> you know, and that's what I did. You know, like I'll share the story. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. I, I've made it, and like I'm happy, and I'm still growing. You know, I'm growing into the space. But when I signed the lease, the commercial lease for this, for the space that I'm in, you know, I had um, every bill I had was in disconnect, every single one. The car was in repossession. I could barely pay rent for the house. Um, could barely pay rent for the, the two rooms I rented out of this space. And I met with them because the lease was ending for the person that was actually releasing the whole space. And she goes, you gotta talk to the landlord and see what it'll do. And I came up to them and I was like, look, I have no credit left. I have no financials. I have nothing you know, at this point. And he goes, he looked at me and he goes, what do you want to try? And I was like, and that's why I told him that. I was like, well, they say if you want to take the island, you gotta burn the boats. And he goes, all right, well, let's do it. So I signed the commercial lease with like nothing. How about that? And well, here you are. And I'm here and I've made, I've made rent ever since. Here so we are. I, you have a great space here, by yeah. the way. It's a nice facility. Yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, like my buddy was like, damn, dude, that's a hell of a leap of faith. And I was like, but I, I felt I could do it. And you know what? At this point, my attorney said a couple of years ago to me, he goes, you know, there's the most dangerous man is one with nothing left to lose. Yeah. You know, and like, I, there's nothing they can take from me at this point. That's facts. You know, so I'm like, you know what, why not? Let's try it. Well, so, I think another misconception from someone that studied it is a lot of times, you know, we have these professors that they're not practicing it. They're, they're, yeah, they're how are you teaching, teaching it? Never even so how are you it? teaching it? And so there are some yeah. that have had success, but the others that have never had any kind of venture, I don't know what they're doing in the classroom, to be quite honest with you. And right. I have the utmost respect for, for a lot of the professors that taught me within my program specifically. Uh, but I think that we're preaching the wrong message to today's youth and you know we're preaching well you have to go raise funding you have to go you know do this do that in, a, in order to be an entrepreneur and I think that's false I think that's Very utterly false. false I think that you know being a small business owner if you're a solopreneur if you have one employee if you have two employees you're 100% an entrepreneur and I think that they have this misconception that if you don't go sell a million dollar or a 40 million dollar company or go public that you're not an entrepreneur right and I, I disagree with that notion completely and I think that that's something that the schooling and the various programs in the triangle need to work on in their curriculum. Is that something they teach about, that is about raising that, capital? Well, or raising raising capital, and I think it's great that they yeah. teach on that because you definitely, right. you know, depending on what you right. want to get into, you need that. There's a space for it. But more entrepreneurship takes place, especially in North Carolina. Not everyone's in Charlotte, Chicago, New York City, L.A. There are a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs around the state, not even in Raleigh, in, in little rural areas, rural towns, right. Right. that, you know, maybe they're operating a third-generation family business. I got news for you. You're an entrepreneur. If you're, you know, if you have a side hustle, you're an entrepreneur. And yeah. that's just my perception. And I think, unfortunately, some of the educators we have out there, from someone who studied it, I think they've missed uh, missed the drift there. Right, and uh, that's why, like Gary Vee talks about that a lot. He was like, you know, like everything's so over leveraged. Everything's about like how much capital can you raise, and not about how much revenue are you taking in. One hundred percent. You know, and like myself with my company is like I focus most on. I was super practical. I mean, I've been I've gone days without eating. I've gone. My girlfriend works at a coffee shop. She'll bring me pastries home from when she closes, and I lived a couple of days on on pastries. Like you know, it's just like. I went super practical. I have 
like $4,000 in debt to my whole company of everything I've built. All the research I've done, everything I've constructed, I built it, like the, the device I showed you, I built in the, in the woodshed in my backyard. How about that? Right, so like super practical. And I was like, you know what? They always say like, just be so good that they can't ignore you. And that's what I focused on. Because my goal, my goal of my company is to make significant change to healthcare yeah. and to the mental health community. And if you come out too soon, if you come out guns blazing, like I could have a couple of years ago when people want my products, right? Come out guns blazing. I'm just one little person without a degree in anything, right? They would crush me. I would be like a blip on the radar. Yeah. But if I wait long enough and come out with something so extravagant and so, so precise because it's based in math, and that's why medicine hasn't been able to argue with me because I explain it in math. And you can't argue with math because it is what it is. Right, so yeah. I haven't had a single person in four years in medicine from surgeons, doctors, PTs, chiropractors, um, psychiatrists, like nurse practitioners across the board, anybody that spent time with me and learning about my business and what I'm working on. The most common phrase I got was, you're doing great things, keep going. So I just keep going. I don't know where I'm going, but it's fun. I enjoy the journey and I enjoy the ride. And you know, but you have to be practical. That's the whole piece of it. It's like it's not about raising capital. You know, I need capital right now, but like that's that'll you know it'll sort itself out. Right. I have something that I can reproduce and replicate over and over and over again as many times as I want. You know, I'm a systems guy. The whole idea of a system is to build it so so precisely that you push the button and you can just it just goes. Yeah. Right. So the the thought that I've you know, based on data and you'll see this yourself with your company and how things run and, and you know with organizations you work with but in my viewpoint of how I see data and how I work with human behavior and how human behavior and, and data are being like misconstrued is that the precision of a system of a well-designed system is predicated on the quality of the relationships of those operating it because we're focused so much on the data and you can take the system that's like designed with like the most beautiful gears, like all laser inscribed and like controlled by AI and, and trimmed down to the microsecond, micropenny, right? But in the middle of all those perfect gears are nylon cogs. You know, each nylon cog has a different density and a different ability to run, different how many cycles it can run, how fast can it go. Those are your people, Yeah. right? And if you're saying you're gonna delegate a task to me, but I don't like you, What's the odds of me doing the task to the level that you want me to do it at? They're very slim, slim to none. Slim to none. So you, are you saving time by, by beating the people down using the data to where you don't have an employee that actually wants to be there anymore? Are you really saving money using the data or are you losing money using the data? Because you're trimming it down to the point, I have a head nurse I work with that's a client of mine and she goes, they're trying to do that to us in the hospital setting. We're saying this interaction between this person and this patient should take this long. How do you... So that, you're, that's you're, a sad day that, that, that healthcare is coming to that, that yeah. we have a timeline on how long you can spend with the patient. Right, you're trying to tell me that on, that on December 17th in room 131 at 10.32 p.m. that so-and-so is going to die and it should take this long to handle this patient. That's sad. Right, so... We have to find balance between how much we're using the data and how much we're burning out people, right? Because if you keep burning out people, the, the, the average cost based on Google, then I looked it up, 
it's about four thousand dollars to train and hire and train an, uh, an employee. So why would you want to keep replacing these people? Because you just you're you're more worried about your data and saving this this bottom line by like pennies. You're not even talking pennies anymore. You're talking like less than that, because the AI can figure it out so so fast, right? That you're now like like well just cut this person out and like switch it to this and change this and. You think you're saving money, but in the end, you're losing all your people. Well, I think that's where company culture is such, a, there's such an emphasis on it nowadays because it's important and it makes, you know, for a, a happy uh, and a productive workplace. If your employees want to be at work, you're going to be productive. More is going to get done. Your bottom line is going to be increased. Right. Uh, and I think that's what we found and what we've completely founded this whole entire business on is people like to do business with people they enjoy being around. And right. so that's why we've really embraced... Um, kind of the mentality of forging strong relationships outside of the office, outside of a boardroom with our clients. And what we found is it's a lot harder to say goodbye to someone you enjoy doing business with. And the same goes for on the inside of the business with your employees. If you get up every morning and you like going to work, you genuinely like who you work for, more times than not, you're going to want to stick around. You're going to want to, you know, Richard Branson has a fantastic quote. I think it says you don't... Uh, the client isn't the. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, yeah, to? yeah. Where um, the customer is the most important, or not the customer? No, the, the customer, the, the employee. The, the employee you don't build yeah, a yeah. business off of the customers. You build a business off the employees. It's one of my favorite one. Because the yeah. employees will take care of the business. Right. And that's they couldn't be more truthful. One my 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 right hand man, uh, Matthew Potts. He serves kind of as a, a business development manager for us, and he'll be coming on board, um, kind of in a VP role uh, before too long. But honestly, uh, he has been the the go-to in terms of cultivating these new business relationships and ultimately has brought on board two of our largest clients. And I think it ultimately comes down to uh, we truly respect one another. We appreciate one another. One, We're not afraid to have the difficult conversations sometimes. And in turn, what that has done for our business, it is, is it's increased the bottom line. Yeah. And I think um, Pete, the customers can feel that too. Like if, if the two people that are engaging, I don't how many people are at your company? We have four full-time, and then we have two kind of independent contractors. Okay. So if you, even if they only meet you, in my opinion, that other people that just met you can tell the, the, the quality of relationships of your whole company. Oh, 100%. On how you feel about you presenting your company. Yes. Right? So, like, that culture, like, I think we're, it, it's so missed because they think, like, well, they don't know what's going on behind here, behind the curtain anyways. Yeah. And I was like... I think they really do because you're not going to present yourself the way you handle yourself and like be confident about like your company and what you're what you're offering. If the rest of the the back end of you isn't happy, you can't go completely confident and go. You know what? I'm going to take on this. Kind of like when they say um, when Gates um, sold Windows for the first time, it wasn't even built yet. Yeah, he's right. like you know, you jump and you build your parachute on the way down. Right, is that kind of idea? Yeah. But you couldn't do that competently enough, and, and offer this customer or something, if you knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that the team you have behind you could make it happen. Oh, one hundred percent. Right, and like that—that's a huge selling point. That's you putting yourself out there like that. Well, that's an interesting point because considering you know we're we're a marketing company, uh, a lot of times what we found is if you shift your marketing. Uh, strategy and you gear it towards one the customer but two also people want to see a peek behind the curtain they want to know what's going on behind a business because you can have a fully profitable business on the front lines but on the back there could be chaos 
And what we found success in is by giving the people what they want. We give the people with all of our clients the glimpse behind the curtain so they can see what's going on on the back end of the business. And we've also done that with the customer. We've, we've shifted the majority of our clients' marketing approach. We focus 60% on their customers. And what we have found is no one wants to sit on social media or on a website or whatever the marketing strategy is and just read, hey, we're great at the service, we're great at the service, we're great at the service. Instead, they want to see who are you working with. Uh, and what we found is you know, a happy customer is more likely to do repeat business with you. No, exactly. And so from our perspective, what we found success is, is a current customer is someone that's more likely to actually spend more money than a new customer you could go and try to find. And that's why we've shifted so much of a focus on marketing the efforts of the customer, in addition to the employees inside the business, but more so on the customer. Yeah, because you have to keep it, you have to um, nurture all of the relationships. Yes. Right, but that's why like, um, so one of the big things with mine is, and maybe this is kind of like goes along with what you just said a little bit too, is like, I got tired of the, all the limbic marketing, all like, you better buy this soon or you're gonna miss out or you're gonna like, you know, it's all like, you know, the, the food, sex and fear yep. thing. And I'm just like, why do we have to live like that? Oh yeah. You know, where like everything I do is about like giving people, let me let me give you something that you might be able to use. Yeah. Let me give you something that the end consumer might appreciate. Like, man, thanks, I didn't think about it that way. Like, I really appreciate your messages or I really appreciate, you know, like my idea of my company is to how how much can I positively affect you before you even come in here. I had a woman that walked in and gave me a hug because she goes, I, I feel like I'm, I already know you because of your videos on social media, right? I'd never met her before, she's a brand new client, right? But because of what I shared with her online and through my videos that she felt like she already knew me, right? And that's my, that's my take on, social media is an incredible tool, but it could also be a very dangerous thing. That's it's absolutely like, right. You know, there's so much to that when I was like, man, why, why I'm not getting my traction I want? And I learned about limbic marketing. I read about it. And I was like, but I can't. That's not me. Yeah. Right. And my clients will know that what I, I'm not, I had somebody that's helped me with some content and stuff. And he, he put these emails together. And I was like, all right, my clients will know beyond any shadow of a doubt that that was not me that wrote that. Because I want to be able to, it's, it's um, in psychotherapy, they call it layering. So each layer prior to them getting to you, is them being more and more comfortable or trusting and safe till they get to the point where you're here, right? So in healthcare, to me, that says, by the time you get, I found you on social media or, or whatever, you saw an ad, right? We engaged a couple times, maybe you watched a few more ads and like we built this like trust. And you drove here today and you're in a, in a nice neighborhood and there's ample parking, you have to walk a mile in the rain to get here and like your appointment was on time and like everything like that. So by the time we get you on the table to work with you, Right? There's not much I have to do anymore other than help you with a few things because you trust me. Yeah. Right? And then when I make all my new customers that leave, I send them a handwritten thank you note for coming in and supporting my business. Right? I could do that in email if I wanted to, but it's just something I've done for probably 400 people now. They get a handwritten thank you note when they leave. That's fantastic. Right? So it's like marketing to me is we could change the world to live in this place that like we have this commerce that's like pleasant to each other and we care we care about the customers we're serving we care about like you know you care about your customers you're serving and you care about the people that are in your business you know like people worked for companies for 30 years for a long time because they were like 
we're going to build this amazing thing together. Yep. Right? Well, what happened to that? You know, so like that's really what I what I sort of strive for here because I, I caught the end of, I, I turned 40 this year. And I caught the tail end of full service gas where they come out and wash your windshield and like, you know, check your oil and stuff. Right? So I'm like, I want to preserve some of the simplicity of full service gas and move it into my products that I'm using AI and augmented reality. I love the future. I'm so ready for the future. I'm like angsty about it. But I love the past too. And like, I, I want to preserve some of this like, genuine there's a way to blend caring. the two together for it's, sure it has to yeah we have to go that way and i think you guys are on the right track with like you know you have the power and the knowledge and the know-how of doing all this but you know to make a stand against it like try to bring more of that together well especially you know. considering our field inter intertwines so much with that of journalism uh mm -hmm. you know people say journalism's dead it's dead uh press is dead newspapers are dead and yes uh is print journalism dying yes that's factual however uh, there's still something to be said with influencers, bloggers, and mm -hmm. they're just as much journalist as you know the people that are working for the NNO, uh, the people on TV in Raleigh, uh, etc. And I, I think it's important to what we found success with is incorporating the two. There are still markets that read newspapers. There are still people that wait for the alerts on, uh, and like you said, the social media plays a great role into it as well um, for for going to find your news. Yeah, no, definitely. I um, well, Gary Vee even said that too. I listen a lot of him because I think he really gives a lot of good points of like where things are going, and you know, he's been an entrepreneur since since childhood also, and I think that's why him and I like our brains kind of like trigger the same kind of thought processes. But he said that too. He goes, "Don't hire a marketer. Hire a journalist. You know, tell your story. Yeah, have someone tell your story. That's what people want to know. They want storytelling. They want to like they want to know what you're about." Um, studies right. show that, that by in, in this next from 2020 in the, in the next decade that companies are going to be shifting 70% of their marketing budget towards you know digital storytelling and they're going to have someone full time on staff and if they don't that's kind of the the need we're trying to fill is yeah. if you can't you know maybe you don't want that for, that full time staff or maybe you don't want to pay the benefits hey blueprint business communications we're we're right there to to save the day yeah. but people are going to be shifting to that and that's what they want they're going to want a digital storyteller whether that's on video whether that's behind a camera or in some shape, way, or form on a smartphone, on a device, or even on a billboard. Um, there are so many, that's the wonderful thing about marketing and entrepreneurship is that they're intertwined in the sense that there is no right and there is no wrong answer. There are infinite yeah. solutions. Right. Do you feel like the, because you mentioned billboards, and like I was always interested too, like, is that really like, um, do you feel because of the our, our attention being drawn so close into the phone that People are still looking at billboards? That's a good question. That is, and I wish that I knew the answer to it. I, I, th I still think it is a viable marketing strategy because I personally do pay attention to them. But you're right, we're living in a day and age where I think one of the interesting things to shift is uh, Tesla. Elon Musk, another you right. know, fantastic entrepreneur, probably the best <laughs> one of our time. Uh, one of the things I think uh, Tesla, and if Elon, if you're listening to this, I uh, you can you know send a royalty check to 310 South right. Arrington Street. Uh, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I think uh, we're going to see is with the uh, the tablets that are that are coming into the the phone or into the car now. Oh yeah. I, I think that there's definitely advertising and marketing potential and, and a, a, the ability to monetize off those tablets that are in the middle of these cars. Right. Um, perhaps you know. Once again, I'm not promoting uh, you know distracted driving. However, 
I think that, you know, I've got clients that call me on the way up from, from Charleston, South Carolina, all the way up to, to Raleigh, and they'll have the Tesla driving itself, and they'll be on their website on the tablet. And I think that if, you, if we get to a point billboards, I think the new billboards with these new autonomous cars are going to be inside the car. And I think when you're driving, you're going to be able to have stuff pop up, geographically speaking, based off where you're at. Where you're at. From a location standpoint. I think yeah. it's an interesting concept. I really oh, absolutely. do. So the one thing that I always, um, I always talk about, and, and I, th- I put it at five to ten years out, but I think it's going to be a lot sooner than that, is that I don't think we're going to have, you give, it, you give it five years max at this point. That you're not going to turn in a resume or an application. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like, send me your digital profile, your avatar, your brand, and I'll let, know, I'll let you know if my company wants to hire your brand to work, for, work with us, right? Because everything's all your, all your college accolades, everything, all of your accomplishments, all, of your, all the jobs you've had before are just uploaded into this profile, right? And you send me your profile, and that's you. I mean, LinkedIn, you could argue, is a, is a branch of that. I think that yeah. we're going to get to a point where, you know, everyone is going to have their own URL. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I own www.bryceconnors.com. Right. And if you go to the website, you can see what I'm about. Um, and I'm sure you, how I envision it working is I'm with you. I don't think that, I think the day of a traditional resume is definitely dated. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, as someone in digital marketing, I had a job interview today with a, with a candidate and uh, he came into, for us, you know, I don't want to see a black and white Times New Roman resume. Yeah. Because I'm a creative. Right, and show I'm me in a something. Creative industry. I need to right. see something. Well, exactly. You're in a creative industry. Like, so, why are we going to come in with something that's so sh- boring? Sh- showing up with a black and white, you know, Times New Roman twelve resume is probably not going to resonate with me. Right. Uh, it's probably not going to resonate with my clients if they discover that I'm hiring talent like that. That's that's not what I need. Right. I need a statement. I need something to showcase. Okay, wow, this this guy or, or gal, she's a creative. He's a creative. Right, and that's what we need. Right, and that's me. Like I, I, w- I don't fit well in jobs that are like you know. I was in the military for two years, and I like I went crazy, and I was just like, "What do you mean I do it that way? Like, there's so many better ways. Like, look yeah. at all these other ways you can do it. Like, but that's not how we do it. We do it this way." And I'm like, "But that doesn't make any sense." Yeah. Um, but what what changed my perspective of timeline to that was I was talking to a guy at a networking event. He said his buddy just did uh, took did a, took an interview for a, you know, a flight attendant, and no application, no resume, nothing. They sat him down and like basically a Zoom meeting, like on a video, didn't fly him anywhere, sat him video to video, and you, they used AI facial recognition to find out if you, like how many times he smiled, and like what is, you know, what is like, is this a happy person? Is this like, you know, they, they read his, their, his information based on that. Well, the AI is fantastic. We pondle uh, around with an idea that, obviously there is a problem and an epidemic that we're still facing w- within our country, and that's the, you know, the school shootings that are happening. And we have the software and we have the intelligence and the technology uh, in airports right now to read, like you said, the AI, the emotion in a face. And I understand, you know, we'd have to sort the kinks out. And here I am, a marketer, thinking about this. But at, at some point, you got to say, enough is enough. Why couldn't we use that same software? I know we're getting off track, but that's what that's I love fine. about this no, opportunity yeah. with the podcast right. is we're able to dabble into right. so many different spheres. And, and ultimately, it doesn't even have to connect to what I do or what you do. Right. Um, but what if we what if we put these cameras in school systems? And if you know so and so showing the signs of okay, hey, look, there's something going on there. We could flag it, we could identify it, and we could neutralize the situation. And now, with that said, obviously there would be people saying, well, like so and so might have had a bad day, and that's fine. And they might right, have. maybe right. they weren't going to shoot up a school. Right. But we'd rather be safer than sorry, in but, my opinion. But here's the thing: like once you saw that. 
there's so much public information on social media and stuff like that that you can go, oh, well, I mean, let's spend 10 minutes digging into it and go, yeah, that's, that's really not them. Or like you ask a few friends or whatever, right? There's... You're not gonna you're not gonna take this person out because the AI said so. You're, oh, like, well, so you're gonna say I'm that. I'm not suggesting right taking now, them out to, right, to begin well, with. I, right I'm now. suggesting you know maybe having a meeting. Well, that's what I'm saying is like yeah. you, you at least know that there's something to maybe question. Yes. And you're like, okay, well that was off. Yes. But then the AI learned. And you right? make that's it better. Thing, and you make it better, right? That's the whole thing. Is like, um, there's a talk I listened to, and I can't remember the the Latin word that he changed it to, but he goes. Homeo, calling us homo sapiens is really the wrong word because homo sapiens stands for knowing man and what it should be is practicing man right because we don't know anything until we practice it enough times to know it right so the way I see AI because I've been in logistics for my entire existence is you can keep I, I use deductive reasoning for everything I boil everything down to like as zero as possible and that's what I've done with medicine is like what actually matters in medicine, right? But AI is just practicing, right? It's a practicing system that you give it something to work on and then it figures it out and it keeps figuring it out and keeps figuring it out. It's no different than what we can do as humans through practicing. It just practices faster than we do. When you start implementing systems like that, it's only gonna keep getting better. But where do we go from there? Like, do you, do we practice so much? Does the system get to the point where we don't need humans? Yeah. Right, and that's the scary thing about that the AI thing that everybody worries about. Yeah. Right, that's why I use AI to strengthen people. Right, that's where my system's going. Is like, why can't I make people stronger? Right, so like there's a whole space race, right? Of like, who can get to space first, and SpaceX, and um, Branson, and I think, um, isn't uh, Bezos trying to do space now too? I think that's right. He, he's yeah. shifted, yeah, he's put a lot, and I think that's why he recently actually sold a great deal of stock. Uh, Amazon stock. We okay. to be able to fund that initiative. Right. So now every everybody's on their way to space. Yeah. But looking at the health of people and the mental health of people and the intelligence of people right now, do you think people could get to to handle space or handle even being able to figure out how to function in space? Well, isn't it interesting to see how as history goes on, it repeats itself. You know, yeah. it wasn't too long ago, the '60s, when you know JFK. Um, and Russia, and if I'm not mistaken, was China in that space race as well? Um, I think, I don't know for sure. I know Russia yeah. was. Russia and the U.S. were for sure. And the sure. United States were, were yeah, going Sputnik neck and neck. Thing and Sputnik, the, yeah. yeah, and so now here we are, and now instead of the moon, you know, Elon, he, he wants to go up to Mars. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting concept just how history, especially within some of these um, initiatives that we've discussed today, they what goes around comes around. The world's very cyclical. I'm, I'm sure you felt that in your entrepreneur journey, is that like, they always say like, whatever lesson you didn't take from the first mistake, it's gonna come back around and get you again. Yeah. It's gonna keep biting you till you're like, oh shit, like, pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> right, you have to pay attention. Because it just keeps circling back around. You know, but it, the, the fun little thing I've done is because, you know, my idea is to strengthen human performance to, to the level of like, whatever we need, right? You know, I'm not saying everybody has to be like, high-performing, you know, AI-powered, like, humans. Yeah. Right? But if you're planning on being part of the space program and you're going to be flying spaceships, like little fighter jets around space or something like that, then you have to be able to handle certain levels of performance and speed 
for your brain to process that much information that fast, right? So like working with my stuff, if I can start you off playing a game where the, where the, the variables shift every 30 seconds, right? And five years later, the variables are shifting every 30 milliseconds and you can still play the game, right? How much information are you able to take in outside of that, right? Because your brain's capable of that to keep getting faster and faster and faster. That's what technology's done already. It's taken us, like I said before we started, like the industry standard for a website 25 years ago was five minutes to load one web page. And now Google won't index your page unless it loads in less than four seconds. And if it's four seconds, people are like, this is too long. And they, and they, they, they leave. They leave. Believe me, I see it. Right? See it, so I it's do. like, we were fine 20 years ago at five minutes. But now if it's four seconds, we're pissed off. We're like, oh, this is too slow. I think that's just showing though, but how, how we're evolving. Right. And so, I don't think there's ever anything wrong with, with evolving. My, my, right. my father always told me that you want the generation after you to be better than the one before. Right. That's what yeah. one of my absolute favorite quotes. And this is what I build my stuff on. Because I know I'll never see the end of what I've built. There's just no way. Because the vision I have of my stuff is far out long past me. Is that the man that plants a tree with no intentions of ever sit, sitting under its shade is, be, is beginning to understand the meaning of life. It's not about you. It's all about everybody after you. That's right. Right? We're supposed to be bettering the next... That's the higher human or the, or the creative genius is to better, is to take a problem that we see right now and make it better. That way those after us aren't still sitting in the same mud we are. Right? And I think that's, that's kind of like what... Well, that's where I think where legacy comes into play. And I, I think that there's another quote, and, and I think we, we could probably go back and forth with quotes all day. Oh, yeah. I think you've got a lot, and I, I live my life with, with a lot too. Um, and one of my favorites is, you know, you die twice. You die once when the last breath leaves your body and you die the second time when the last person ever speaks your name. Okay. And like so, that. you know, I could drop dead tomorrow, but technically I have not died completely until whoever I last affected or, or touched speaks right. my name. Right. And so I think that ultimately that's how I choose to live my life is by wanting it to be, you know, ultimately when that day comes, that's fine, but I want to leave as much of a legacy and I want to change and enact change within my industry, within you know my professional life, the personal life, what have you. So that day, this, the second time I die, does not come for a long time. And I think right. that when you wake up with that mentality every day, it's amazing how much more you're able to really accomplish. Right. Well, you live through your work. Yes. Right. You live through what you're building. You know. So like, you're you become immortal through the products that through through the systems and products that you're implementing for the future. Yeah. Right. Like. For me, is like it was like, well, when are you gonna st- when are you gonna product go into production? When are you gonna sell products? When are you gonna make all this money and like all this kind of stuff? And it was like, for me, I was enjoying the journey so much. I was yeah. enjoying the, the 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 process so much. And I was like, you know, I'll get to that. I'll get yep. to that in a, in a little in a little bit. But for now, you know, like I said before, if I would have came out too soon, I would have been crushed. I didn't really know what I was doing or where it was going or how I was gonna get there. So I was like, you know what? I'm making it. I'm in business, and I haven't gone out of business. Yeah, and you're, the lights like, are still on, and you're, light, yeah, they exactly. have not evicted you, so you're accomplishing right. what we spoke about earlier. Exactly. So I'm still moving forward, and you know, when the time comes, and I'm ready to sell my stuff. To me, I last year when I just recently did my extension of my taxes and stuff like that. Like I lived last year on around fifteen thousand dollars. 
at home, like, because my girlfriend pays half the rent, but I cover everything else. Like, I, we select a size paper towels or cut in quarters. Like, I mean, to that level of, like, systems. Yeah. To keep the business open. Everything goes into the business. I live on next to nothing to keep it all in the business. I understand. To me, it was more about making lasting change in medicine and in mental health and for the, the betterment of society and to be recognized in science for something that I accomplished. To me, it was way more important than making a bunch of money. Because the money will come. Oh, Obviously, if you change something in medicine and change something in healthcare or change something in science, you know, eventually the money's gonna come to you because they're gonna want your stuff. So I focused it more on like, how much change can I make? Because there was this quote that I really liked that said, uh, don't fight the feudal wars. Let the big people fight the feudal wars and spend all your time building something so amazing at a perspective they can't see that by the time they notice you, it's too late. And that's what I do, right? I know what I'm doing is right because I, the internet, social media is the giant brain. Tesla even said that before yeah. we even had it, that the world is just a giant brain. Well, it's being fed by the millisecond, by all these, the smartest people in the world right now, it feeds the internet with all this information, right? So if you're smart about it and you go, and this is for anybody listening to this too, and like, you know, words of wisdom, but like pick something you really wanna learn about, take all of, go on social media and only follow the leading experts in the whole world, in your field, and spend three or four years reading all the articles they post, all the, all the information they share, all the research papers, all that stuff for three or four years, from all the people like in China and Japan and, and Chile and, and Europe and all over the place, and you're getting the collective knowledge of all these people that are finding this information. And what I would do is take that information and apply it to my work and see if it matched what I discovered. Yeah. Right, like, oh, I found that too. And you guys found that. And you 10 people of all these leading experts agree that all 10 of us agree that what I found makes sense. Now you keep moving forward, right? Because I don't have a college education and you have a college education, but what, what happens with that is the farther away you get from zero, the more your false ego will have some sort of control over you, whether you like it or not, because you've invested resources, whether it's time, money, yourself, struggles, sacrifices, into accomplishing a success, right? So now this is the thing that I believe because I put all my money into it and this is what I believe and this is, this is, the, this is it. And that's where we're going wrong though because I don't believe, I'll be quite honest, you know, I did invest a lot of time and money into the college degree and honestly, I really didn't need it. Yeah. And it's interesting that I think we're finding that unless you wanna be a doctor, you wanna be a lawyer, in my opinion, I really think that we're going, gone are the days of that education. I think it's coming. Absolutely. We, we preached it for Absolutely. so long and a lot of my client base is kind of in, um, you know, construction, HVAC. And what we're seeing is that there are many people that are not getting into the, the, the trap of being $100,000 in debt and they're coming out into high paying jobs. They're starting their own business. They're getting a trade and they're becoming very successful individuals and they're not doing it the way that we've been told we've had to do it by guidance counselors and by teachers for so long. Oh yeah, that happened to my girlfriend. Like she, she thought she was doing the right thing, and got buried. She went to three years of university and wasn't able to finish because there was she didn't have enough money and like yep. able to get through it. And you know she goes, I was lied to my whole life saying the only way to get out of where you're at is you have to go to college. The only way yeah. you get out where you have to go to and college. And that's false. Yeah, that's false. 
I, I sat in a meeting uh, with the, the PHEC, the Plumbing, Heating, uh, Cooling uh, chapter of North Carolina, uh, Monday, and what we talked about was how do we communicate the message that go to trade school, learn a trade. Because for so long we've shifted. Well, if you're not good enough for if you're not good enough for college, go do a trade, and that's the wrong message. Right. Because it's not that you're not good enough for college. Maybe you don't. Maybe you, you know, you don't want to go into debt a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Maybe you have the college degree and you're unemployed. And there are a great deal of college graduates who are unemployed. Um, oh yeah. So and have all the debt to go along. One, with it. And then you fall into yeah. the trap of oh you got to get married, you got to buy a house, you got to have a car. Oh yeah, the timeline thing. The yeah, timeline the, the timeline trap too. Yeah. And we've got people that are two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt by the time they're twenty five years old. Right. And how, how do you expect them to, to crawl out of that right. and to save money for retirement? Right. The whole like oh well why aren't you buying houses? Why aren't you doing this? Why are you killing? Them? I was like well because you guys railroaded them into like, yes. being a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt before they even realized what was going on. You gave this amount of, you gave a $200,000 loan to an 18 year old. What do you that, think was that, gonna happen? That you never taught in any sort of elementary or middle school or high school on how to handle money. Yep. And you just gave them a loan for $200,000. And we're like, all right, yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out, they'll pay it back. Right. I'm with you, yeah. I think we're on the same page. Yeah, so it really has to, we really have to shift the paradigm completely, you know, because the, the trades, these guys are retiring. They're they're in there. You know, the guys that, that knew about trades are 50, 60. There's 30, 30 electricians under the age of 30 in North Carolina. Oh, wow. You let that sink in. Honestly. 30, all over, had, all over the state. Yeah. If I had it to yeah. do all over again, I would have been an electrician. In, yeah. in a couple of years, you're going to be able to, you know, someone's going to turn a check over to you, and you're going to write in however many zeros you want to write on it. You're going to be able to charge right. whatever you want to charge. Right. Because we have a shortage of it. And there's right. just not people that are that are studying those trades anymore. Right. And, and we, we're going to have a trade shortage. And that's the we thing are. is, like, it takes just as much science and understanding and knowledge to learn how to plumb a house or, oh, or sure. to run the right electricity or any of that stuff. So to think to think that you're going into a job where you don't have to actually use your mind or use your brain to, like, understand how things work, to, run, to know the flow of an HVAC system, to know, like, the fall of a drain of, of you know, of, in plumbing or... You know how much electricity one thing can handle, or how much what wire to use, or what breaker to use. I mean, that's all like it's very important stuff. Oh, it's interesting. You know, I, I go and I, I sit down with with these with my clients, the majority of which do not have college education, and they're in in, in trade industries, general contractors, mechanical contractors, uh, plumbers. And to be quite honest with you, they're some of the smartest individuals I've ever met in my life. And they'll, they'll look at me like I'm the smart guy, you know, with the digital marketing and this college degree and all, all this background. And I look at what they do every day, and I'm just blown away by the amount of intelligence that I see in those rooms. And when I walk in there, I feel like the least smart person in the room. And it's just, it's proving your point that there is so much intelligence that goes into those different industries. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just know the, the little – I mean, I, I designed and built my own house when I was 20. Right, minus masonry, I did all the framing, all those, the, put the roof on, like all the drywall, electrical. Everything's plumbing, still every, good. Everything's still good. How about that? Congrats. Right, so, um, I had that experience, and I had learned all that stuff, and I know how much you know, everything matters. Every little thing matters from all the way up, and that takes a lot of information, a lot of know-how. But what you said is like these guys. Here's here's this thing where we're like divided, still, is because these guys thought you were the smart guy, and you're thinking they're the smart guys. Right? How do we bring our world together? Because we fight each other. Like you, if we think of like the progression oh, yeah. that we can make as a society, if we all go, all right, time out. 
like we need to like bring the shit back together and go who knows what right you know that i know this how do we work this together and like, it sounds like you're doing that with the construction guys with yes. bringing digital to 100%. to construction and that's that's a good start of that that has to come together well, that was how we built my my business it's solely based off of i'll be the first one to admit my employees are smarter than me. I want them to be smarter than That's me. That's what Steve Jobs said. He Elon goes, Musk said it the other yeah, day. He goes, I don't he, hire I don't I hire smart people for them to tell me what to do. But. Elon Musk said uh, he was talking about the difference between schooling and education. And he yeah. said, No, I didn't go to Harvard, but I've got a hundred employees that did go to Harvard and that's how everything in his business career has been built upon and I built right. mine upon the same principle right uh, if you're not smarter than me you you don't need the job because uh, I want people that are more intelligent to be able to tell me yeah Jack Moss said that too with Alibaba he goes I didn't know anything I didn't know anything about any of this stuff I just hired a bunch of people that he goes my job was to get smart people to be able to work together yep all right that's how he said that same thing it's like we're, we're overthinking it we everybody thinks this paralyzation, so I'll say my little phrase I had from earlier because I think it's very pertinent to this part of the conversation is that, you know, we're in this world of like, my way's better than your way and your way sucks. I don't have the courage to do it my way, so I'm gonna make fun of your way. But now because I made fun of you, you're not gonna do anything either. And now the entire society that we live in is paralyzed in fear of, of other people's opinions, right? So now we're stuck because these guys' opinion of you was that you're smarter than them and your opinion was they're smarter than you. Yeah. And now nobody's going to do anything. Well, well you guys are because... And that's what we've done. We, yeah. We've understood the fact that, you know, they're really good at what they do. And I believe that my team at Blueprint Business Communications is really good at what we do. And so if we can come together and meet in the middle and have that open dialogue and that personal relationship like I spoke about earlier, it's enabled us to do some really great things. And what we've seen in construction and, and HVAC, mechanical contracting uh, from the commercial standpoint, is that... We've implemented some of these trends, and their competitors who have not implemented these trends, you know, what are they doing? They're calling, they're calling us. They're saying, hey, we want to implement some of that stuff. Right. And imitation is the finest form of flattering. I've always believed that. Oh, absolutely. And so they can keep on calling, and they can keep on complaining that, you know, we're doing, we're forging a different path. Wait a minute, that's not how mechanical contracting is, or that's not how general contracting is. You're not supposed to market, you know, what you're doing and, and talk about what you're doing. It's all supposed to be word of mouth. Okay, cool. Keep saying that, right. and let's see where you are in 20 years, and let's see where some of my clients are in 20 years. And I can I can imagine that that they have been, uh, and they're going to continue to be on the top. Right. No, exactly. And that you see that with uh, corporations. Oh yeah. Right. These guys that like, I mean, <laughs> pardon my French, but fucking Sears went out of business. Yeah. Right? You saw that coming. Perfect, perfect example of the like, success trap. If, if you, you were asking about what goes on in entrepreneurship classes, you learn about the success trap, and you didn't. You, just correct me. You, you didn't yeah. study entrepreneurship. No, you, you didn't need no. to know that the, the success trap. We, we've also that's another problem. We put these labels on these terms, the success trap, and then that's entrepreneurship at their finest. The colleges and the universities are the entrepreneurs. They're taking our money to teach yeah. us the success trap. Right. What Sears fell into. What they do, they they thought the same stuff that worked. I'm invincible. In the 80s. We've been around forever. Yeah, like, it was gonna, gonna te test the you know the uh, father time, and, yeah. and it failed miserably. Yeah, you have to you have to innovate, and I, I think that's one of the best phrases I've heard recently is like innovate or die. Right, you have to you have to keep going, and everybody's like, what are you? I mean, you asked me when you came in here, like, what do you even do? Like, what do you do? Right, but like that was the thing is I knew that. I can't stop. If I stop, the what's behind me is going to catch back up to me, right? So I just I was like, well, I'm just going to keep going. I know we're going to stop at, but you know what? 
I'm already ahead of you guys. And if you ever want to come in and find out what I'm working on, then by all means, come and find out what I'm working yeah. on. But if you think I'm going to wait for you to catch up to me, you're, you're completely batshit crazy. Well, that's like, such an interesting point because we have these contracts. With with, we built our business uh, within marketing. Historically speaking, you know, if you're working on a project basis, sometimes cash flow can be low. And what we've done to solve that, and I'm sure others have as well, is you know we, we have implemented monthly retainers to make sure that you know we don't have that problem. There's always cash flowing into the business. Um, oh, the innovation, yeah, yeah the innovator die, yeah. And so what, what we've run into is you know sometimes I'll have some of my guys be like, oh, we've got this this extension coming up with this contractor, this client. Uh, aren't you scared that they'll that they're going to want to stop and that they're not going to want to move forward? And I'm like, no, because we've started something that we can't stop. We've started. Right. They've come so far that the competitors are seeing where. That where they you know they're trying to imitate and copy and if, right. if if our guys stop, well then I don't know what to tell them because now we've you know we've stirred up you know, we, the hornet's nest and they're right. going to come out eventually and so right. and they have we've seen that so we watch it all the time in products right like you know um, perfect example um, I drink I like my girlfriend and I drink the plain soda water right everybody came out with soda water and all of a sudden there's like we went from one brand to like. Oh, Twenty brands. Yeah. Everybody's got their own brand of soda water now because like you see with, you know, the, like, with the what is it the Spike Seltzers you know yeah, White Claw exactly Truly uh, the yeah. Natural Light uh, and just so on like, and so forth boom 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 yeah. like that's the whole thing like I see because you see it in movies now too like every how many fucking Spider Man movies do we have that we need like how many like everything's being remade I was like I think it comes back to my phrase before of like everybody's paralyzed by other people's opinions that we've lost so much of our creativity. Because nobody's willing to be creative and be themselves and create this like cool thing that's just theirs. Yeah. They have to take somebody else's cool idea and copy it till it, and beat it to death till there's nothing left. All these products, like there's there's therapy, they're, uh, they're called Theraguns. They're used in like massage therapy and like sports therapy and stuff like that. Theragun was the first one to come out with it. And all of a sudden I find like there's like 15 other brands now that, you know, they, they took this idea and then just copied the shit out of it. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, where's the creativity at? They're right? like, come up with your own thing. But everybody's like, well, you came up with it, I like that. And uh, now I don't have to think about it, I just have to make a little bit of money off of it. Right? And I'm like, but man, there's like, if it's like, I don't know if we're, if we're crushing it in, in children so fast or if we're like, where it's gone. But something has to stir up the creativity again, something has to get that going again. Right? Like, we have to bring the arts back, we have to bring music back right back into schools back in like like the, the craziest thing I heard was a mom talking about you know they don't have their, their kids don't have recess they have device time I've never heard of that you hadn't heard of that I yeah never. that's My a thing a school teacher that's never a thing that's a thing in some of the schools right now is device time over recess that's ridiculous and, and we wonder why we have an obesity problem obesity or loneliness yeah right because you're you're interacting with other kids to learn how to interact socially, with, uh, yeah, socially. from a social standpoint, 100%. Right? So you're worried about loneliness and you're like, you know, oh, don't worry about going out and play with the rest of the kids, just sit on your phone and like do whatever you want to do on your phone. Like, it's that sad. Was, like, it was madness. It's sad. Too. I mean, we've definitely got some interesting times ahead of us and I, I think that, you know, the, the um, there's some partisan issues uh, and I think it all goes back to what you said. We're just so far, if we can just come back to the middle and just say, hey, right. you know, you're a smart guy, I'm a smart guy, we're smarter guys if we put our heads together. Right, that mastermind thing. We can probably come up with something great. Yeah. You're good at this, I'm good at this. Right. Let's mix it together and see what happens. That was my, like, opinion. Like, you know, these giant megaliths and stuff from, like, 
thousands of years ago, we're like, how do they build this thing? You know, yeah. How do they move these things? And it's like, we got to remember, like, at a lot of times at that point, these people were working together to build one thing, right? Where all of us were like, you know, like if you look in medicine, like people will specialize. Now I'm a heart specialist, or I'm a, I'm a kidney specialist, or I'm a knee specialist, or I'm a shoulder specialist, right? And you, um, I always look at it this way. It's like, say you took off on your, um, your journey of, of education, right? And you're like, I'm going to learn this thing. And you take off and learn this thing. And now you're the best at this thing. But what you never do is come back to the rest of us and go, all right, guys, here's what I found. You went off your quest. You found all your things, learned all your stuff. And now you're, the idea was to bring it back and share it and now teach your kids and teach more people. And now 10 people know as much as you do about this because you taught them from this end back to here. Right? But everybody's off on their own little journey now, being the best at their thing and not coming back to the community whole or the, or the collective whole yeah. and, and changing the world or bettering the world. Right? And I think that's the coming back together thing. We've gone so far away from each other that we're all against each other. Oh, 100%. Right? I'm the best. No, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. No, I'm the best. And I'm like, why can't we all be the best? Or can't we all like go, all right, everybody, let's bring the 50 best plumbers in the world to hear and figure out how we can solve India's problem with like plumbing. Well, let's see though, that, or, that brings up an interesting topic and I'll play devil's advocate. Uh, I'm the best, I'm the best, participation trophies. Oh, exactly. What's your take on it? Because on the no, one hand- No, because you have to struggle. So you think we should get participation trophies? No, absolutely not. Good, I'm glad. I absolutely think we're not. on the same page there. Yes. No, absolutely not. Because we're telling everyone you're the best and we're setting them up for failure when they get into the right. real world and they, they lose their job. You're not the best until you've earned to be the best. Yeah, or they don't get the college right. or they don't get the job they wanted right. or whatever it is. And that's not how life works. You know, no. I go into pitch meetings all the time and guess what? I, sometimes I get told no and they're not always going to write me a check. And because no, I've exactly. been told no before, it makes me hungrier and more satisfied when I finally do get that, that 21st try and I hear... Yes. Right. No, exactly. And I, that's my whole thing. Like I've, I've spent hundreds of handwritten letters, thousands of emails out. I get maybe one or two replies. You're right. Like, I'm not, it doesn't stop me. I always wonder, like, sometimes around Raleigh because, you know, like, I think it, I play with people's heads a little bit because, you know, nobody really understands totally what I'm doing. And I get that. That's part, partly on me trying to explain my, what I'm even doing. Yeah. But I also have a five-star Google rating, right? I mean, I've, worked, I've, I've physically touched and treated over 10,000 people in Raleigh alone, in, in the triangle. How about that? Right, with a five-star Google rating. But nobody really knows what I'm doing, right? So I think it kind of like, sometimes I wonder, like, I wonder how many people just think I'm a complete lunatic. But I can't be that much of a lunatic because a lot of people that come and see me love me. That's okay. So it's like, you know what? Medicine, the people in medicine that have came, came here and supported me, there's like the people that come here and I, and I help and they go out and tell other people. And the other people are going, well, I don't really know. I don't, I don't understand it. I'm like, because like, my clients get as frustrated as I do. Like, I don't know. We tell everybody to come see you. And, like, and then some people come to see me and some people don't. But there's a, one of my little words of wisdom that I have that I, I really sunk into it a couple of years ago and it's really helped me. And I think it'll make sense to you is that to have zero, absolutely zero expectations of an outcome and zero expectations of people. You just take things as they come. Like you take the ball that was handed to you and you run with it. Because you can appreciate when someone does something nice for you. You can appreciate when someone did a good deed. You can appreciate giving to somebody and serving somebody and getting the, the feeling of being that you did something nice for somebody else.
right? Or going into a, a pitch or going into a sale, right? And it didn't work out in your favor and you're going, okay, well, whatever, you know? But if you went in there expecting that I need this to happen or we're, or we're, we're crushed, right? Now when something goes wrong or right, you've already been playing on the emotion of, of what you don't even know is gonna happen. Yep. Right, as to going in there going, all right, well, we're gonna go in there, do it the best we can, and we're gonna walk out, and we're gonna go, here's what we're working with, or here's what we're working with. But you can't go in there expecting something of one or the other. Yep, you that's know, absolutely right. You go in there and do the best you can. You know, and people put so much emphasis on, you know, what you can do for me, or like, I did something nice for you, why didn't you do something nice for me? Yep. Right, and we talked about that, there's a guy I do a podcast with on my other channel, um, he's 81 and I'm 40. And we'll bring up a topic and we'll discuss it in his point of view and my point of view. And it's really interesting, you know, and I brought that one up and he goes, it reminded me of my mom. She used to tell my dad all the time because he'd get so mad because he would do something nice for somebody and you wouldn't, they wouldn't do something, you know, say thanks or they wouldn't do something bad. Yeah. And she goes, but you don't know what's going on in their household. You don't know what problems came up between when you helped them and what's happening right now. Maybe someone just passed away. Maybe, you know, they're sick or maybe whatever, like... You can't have that expectation because you don't know what the story is on the other side. That's an interesting take. Right? Because the whole world, you know, everybody you walk up to every single day, you don't know what they're going through. That's why, like, I've studied logistics for so long. And that's why all of my stuff in here in healthcare is based in logistics, based in math. Because every person you meet, no matter what you think, is an uncontrolled variable. So you're trying mindfulness to me based on logistics is that you're trying to figure out what's controllable, what's not controllable, and only change what you can control and just take as it comes what's uncontrolled and just play with it and work with it. The idea in management or leadership or working with culture in a company is that you're supposed to create such a perfect culture, the best culture you can create. I won't say perfect. We'll throw that word out there. The best culture you can create that way the people that are working in your controlling your system are as controlled as possible, as a controlled variable as possible. That when you say, hey, I need this stuff done, and you can walk away from it and know that's going to be done at the level that you need it done at. Yep. Right? Yep. That's the importance of culture is that that person will always be able to walk out and go, right? But if you build that culture strong enough, they're never going to, they don't want to walk out because they want to be part of that culture. And now when you give them something to do, they're gonna to wanna to stay and do it the best way possible. That's the control and uncontrol, is, is having zero expectations of both people and outcomes, staying mindful, be pay attention, and just play each individual outcome throughout the day, the whole day, but have no, no expectation of either, right? But that's, that, that's the, the culture piece, and that's the precision piece, the systems piece. It's so. interesting how it all works together. It all comes full circle. Yeah, you have to have all of it. Like that's, I mean, that's. So when I was doing, you know, supply chain, you know, I have fifty drivers, all in three different geographical locations, and you're figuring it out. And like, these guys are two or three hundred miles away from me, and I'm going, hey, I'm running behind on this. You know, I have something that needs to go out. When are you going to be back? Right. I want to see if you can help me. Now this guy that's 300 miles away could be sleeping in his bunk or yeah. taking a nap going, yeah, I'm still getting unloaded. I won't be done yet. But really they're out taking a nap or having lunch or doing whatever, right? And I'm sitting over here freaking out because I need someone to come back in time. 
right? But if I have a good enough relationship with this person, and they're going when they're 300 miles away and they're going to go, oh, yep, I just finished up 10 minutes ago. I'm going to head right back. I should be back with this time, right? So that's taking the, the person or the human interaction and making it as much of a controlled situation as possible, right? And that's the importance of that culture, right? And that goes back to my saying of that your, the precision of your, of your system using all the data you want, right? And that's, what, that's great, but it's still completely predicated on the level of the quality of the relationship you have with the person functioning it. Because you're gonna break it, it's gonna break down every time. Because all, if all these people are tired of your shit and they walk out, then you have no system. You just have a bunch of math and a bunch of AI and a bunch of things that should have worked this way, but it didn't because all your people walked out. So now you don't have anything. Right? So that's the balance of all of it. I love data. I think it's I think it's an incredible thing. But I also my mom works at Walmart and she's like, you know, this is crazy because they keep changing things. We they want us to do so many things we can't even keep up, keep up with it anymore. And because they have all this, you can collect as much as you want. Yep. Right. But what do you do with all of it? That's a good question. I think that's a question a lot of people want to know. Where, where, where's their data going? Right. Why are we doing all this? Like, why? What's the whole point? And it's like. Are we gonna? What happens when we run out of jobs? Because the AI and, and robotics and, and automation are doing all the things that you, people did. So there's a whole other game we got to play because that's happening already. Everybody's like, automation's taking all our jobs. I was like, well, Henry Ford created the first created the first you know assembly line. So yeah. if you're thinking automation's changing it now, it's been happening since since, the, since, time, yeah. since you know every like even. Starting at Henry Ford, it's been happening. We don't need that many people. We have the we have the assembly line. It does it all for us. Right? And we just keep adding more robots, and more automation, and more data, more AI. You know, and all these things are doing everything. So we're what happens next? What happens to all the people that still need jobs to survive in the world world we're in? What happens to the market? Because you know now everybody can, everybody in the world can have their own online store selling whatever they want to sell. Now now one product has 50,000 suppliers. So where's the where's the supply and demand? What happens to the market? So there's just some questions we can I mean, we can go down a whole like 10 other podcasts and all. Oh, that. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. and I think we've hit a lot of good topics today to even so yeah. I think that what's so interesting is you're right. I think we we probably could do another 10 or 15 podcasts. Yeah. Because that's the world I, I see, you know, because to give people a perspective of how, like, me, I've, I've been in logistics for basically 30 years, but I've also gone almost 30 years without television or um, media and commercial radio and all this. So I stay on the outside as an outlier going, you know, like, I spent my whole life learning how the world the world works together. Right? And I thought I had this funny story, funny thought the other day, because I've never passed pre-algebra. Never, like, I don't know how to, do, I don't know how to write math. But I've spent 30 years of my life in logistics, which is all math. And it's like one of the one of the things I hated the most in math in elementary school was story problems. But I've made my entire career on story problems. The irony. I know it's so crazy, but um, that's why I see the world so much differently. I stand on the outside, going, "Jesus Christ, guys, what are you th- what are you doing? How do we how do we steer this thing?" Because you have the, the AI figuring all this stuff out, but what are you, you going to do with all this AI? What are you going to do with all this, this automation? Self-driving cars, like the people need to struggle to learn. Yeah. Right. That's the whole eighth place trophy thing. Yep. You have to struggle to learn. So, 
if we keep automating everything, and now I, I drive a six-speed with manual locks and manual windows. How about that? Right? Like, I want to be able to do all the things. Yeah. Because that's making me have to figure all this out. I always say this with, um, if you have a teenager that's getting ready to learn how to drive, and you're worried about them texting and driving, <laughs> put them in a manual and teach them how to, tell them they have to drive a stick shift for the first two years of their life. That'll, that'll prevent them from texting. Right? Because yeah. you can't do anything other than drive the car. Yeah. Right? So if you want to protect your kids, buy them a stick shift. Tell them to drive a stick shift. For the Never thought shift. about it like that. Yeah. It's as simple as that. We've, we've created such systems that make it too easy to hold a steering wheel and push the gas pedal, set the cruise control. All these little safety gadgets are telling you when something's stopping and all this kind of stuff. And now you're just sitting there just not doing anything. Texting. If you want your kids not to text and drive, put them in a stick shift. It's that simple. Right? Like, you have to go back. I love technology. It's Like I said before, it's fun. But you also have to respect that, same with children, you have to teach cause and effect. If you're building blocks that are actual blocks and they fall and you make a noise and you make a mess and you break something, something happened and you go, oh, well, I can't do that next time. And you put them all back up and you put them back up a different way and it works and you learned that this way took too long the first time, so this way I can take these three steps out of it and it won't, it won't fall down. But if you only teach your kid on an iPad and your blocks fall down, you push the button and the blocks go back up, you learned nothing. nothing. Right? And that's, that's, right. that's no different than the eighth place trophy as, as teaching your kids on iPads only. Because you're not learning how the, the cause and effect of the universe. You're on, if you're driving a stick shift and you're going up a hill and all of a sudden you have no power left, you have to you have to make your own power, right? You have to know that to go up up gravity, you need to downshift, right? That's learning how the universe works. That's learning the mechanics of things. Kids need to learn the mechanics of things, right? This mom the other day, she was like, "Yeah, my kid like popped one the other one off the trampoline." And he was like, "She's like, you didn't know it was going to happen." He goes, "No." Right? Like, we used to stuff all the time, but we knew it was going to happen. Yep. Right? So, digital is amazing. But you still have to teach the cause and effect. Or people are going to keep crashing into each other and not understanding, like, why this is all happening. So, sorry to go off my little rant there. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I think that plays in a lot lot of what you're doing. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, here I am. I'm going to head out. When I I do head out, i got to go to the grocery store. And I'm, but but we're all falling into it. When I fall into the, when I come to the grocery store, you know, I'm becoming a, a data point. Where right. did I go? What aisle did I go to? How long was I there? Did I go to self checkout? Did I go to whatever checkout? Right. They're uh, watching all that. All of it. You're scanning. It's, it's they're all watching all happening. Yeah. They're watching all of it. Right. The Big Brother. The, back in 1984, I think the the book came out. It, it, it's very much alive and, and well today. Oh yeah, definitely. I'll send you actually. There's a talk. It's um. He's on YouTube and they're really short. They're like eight nine minute ones. It's called Academy of Ideas. And there's one he did called The Dark Side of Pleasure. Yeah. He talks about 1984 and he talks about um, what was the other one that came out before that? Um, uh, I can't remember now. But he talks about both those books in there. Because Adolf Huxley talked about it. He goes, you know, like, um, how, you know, at first he thought it was sci-fi. And then after Hitler and all that happened and the Holocaust happened, he goes, this isn't sci-fi. This is, like, real. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and it's just kept going, you know. So, like, you guys know how to read all the data on Google Analytics and Search Console and all this kind of stuff. Where me, 
I'm learning it all on my own, so I know about 10, 10 or 15% of what all those numbers mean. Yep. But people pay you a lot of money to know what all the numbers mean. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, if people would realize how much information they're giving out, right? So, like, there was a guy who did a video I really liked, and I added this to my little list of things. It's short and simple. Privacy is power. Because the more you don't tell, right? You can share all your data. You can share yeah. your shopping habits. You can share all your things, but... Um, Gary Vee said it best, and I think it applies to exactly what you said, is that social media and the internet didn't change us as people. It exposed us to ourself. You're wearing your outsides on your, or your insides on your outside. Yeah. Right? You see these posts like, I saw you out in town, you want to be friends on Facebook, you won't talk to me in person. I was like, have you seen what you've been posting on social media? Why yeah. would I want to talk to you in person? Yeah, that's a good point. Right? So you have to stop sharing all of your insides. We used to walk around back in the 80s and 90s and you had no idea what was going on in someone's life because we just knew you from the outside. But now we know everything about you from the inside because you're willing to tell everybody in the whole world what's going on in your inside. You know, so and the other piece of it is um, my mom said, you know, oh, it's just so bad right now. There's so much going on. There's so much bad. And I was like, no, it's the frequency of how fast you get it. Yep. When Lincoln was shot, there's people on the other side of the country that didn't know for three months that Lincoln was shot, right? And now I was at the gym the other day and there was a kid with his head stuck in, in between the bars on a, on, a, on a balcony in China. And there was like, it was world global news. Yeah, it was you like, yeah. It's not that bad, it's that you're getting it so fast. So fast, the, the frequency. The frequency of how fast each bad thing comes at you from not the region that you live in, but the whole globe. 100%. You know, so we live in like the safest, easiest, simplest time of our entire human existence right now. It's not that bad. It just seems that way because of how much data you're getting from not just going out, but coming back but in. But coming back in, yeah. You know, so, but yeah. Um, I guess we'll leave with that. If there's no, anything else you want to, no, like, why don't you tell me where you found, where you can be found, like give them your website, yeah, phone no, number, address. Absolutely. We're, uh, we're at www.blueprintbros.com and that will be changing in the near future as we, uh, as we work on inclusivity. Uh, we were started as Blueprint Bros, changed to Blueprint Business Communications. Okay. Uh, but, I, but I think inclusivity is something that is so important, it's very important in, right in this day and age. And that's one of the reasons Diversity, why, inclusivity and all why, that. why that's going. Um, because yeah. it's just the right time. It's the right thing to do. When we were in college, you know, we thought, you know, we'd play, we'd have fun with the, the fact that we were young. Because we, right. we'd walk into meetings and people would be like, wow, you're young. You're in college. Right. So we embraced it. But now we're kind of getting to a point where that's not, you know, what we're going for anymore. And also, you know, we're looking at to bring women on board and you know want to make sure that that everyone all the bases are covered there and yeah, everyone's definitely. included and feels included and feels welcome because that's how it Absolutely. should be it's culture that's right you know it's not it's not business culture it's culture 100 percent. i couldn't right. agree more it's all of it so and so yeah we're on facebook linkedin um instagram and we're at blueprint business communications uh, and and once again really just trying to to serve the Raleigh area, and I appreciate you uh, providing this type of a platform for entrepreneurs and, and small business owners in Raleigh to be able to get together and, and share a conversation like this. Yeah. And I appreciate you providing that platform, not just for, for my business's sake, but for all the businesses' sake out there. Yeah, I think it's important because like we need social media out there and like these small companies, that's the innovator die thing. Yeah. And like 
a post a week or post a couple every couple of weeks isn't going to get you the awareness or no. in, the, in the algorithm that you're no, looking it's not. for. It's not. And it makes people go crazy. You're like, why am I not getting anybody off? The social media doesn't work. And I'm like, but it's an algorithm. It's a learning entity and you need to feed it. That's right. Right. That's exactly right. And I wanted to go, like, I had a hard time with that. I'm like, but why can't I help myself and say, you know, my one guy shared our podcast with 2,000 people now that know who I am now. Yeah. Right? So I win, and I help other small businesses with social media going, here, now you have an hour of content, audio, video, you can do anything you want to with it, and now you have content. And That's now you right. Can, like, now you have an hour hours worth of video you can snip apart. And you can do whatever you want with it. Whatever you want to with That's it. That's exactly so, right. So yeah, that's exactly so, right. That was well, my that was my point. So well, I appreciate you providing that platform for all of us. Yeah. It means a lot as a small business owner. I appreciate yeah. it. So thank you. Absolutely, I enjoyed the conversation, and yeah. I and I think you're right. I think we could probably do ten or fifteen more of these, and, and if that yeah. opportunity arises, I hope you'll keep me in mind. No, I'd absolutely. Like to, uh, absolutely. I'd like to join you again. I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I'll get you together. With, I think you and I and Matt will get together. Yeah, and that'd have be a nice. Little, like a three way kind of chat. And Would just like that. Dive into something. So. Would enjoy that. Would awesome. enjoy that. Well, so, it was a pleasure. All right. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. If you'd like to share your story, you can contact me at another new perspective 101 at gmail.com or by phone at 984-212-4308. Have an amazing day.